Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 62 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. He told me, when near his end, that he never in all his life had his mind so led forth in desires and earnest prayers for the flourishing of Christ's kingdom on earth as since he was brought so exceedingly low at Boston. He seemed much to wonder that there appeared no more of a disposition in ministers and people to pray for the flourishing of religion through the world, that so little a part of their prayers was generally taken up about it in their families and elsewhere. Particularly, he several times expressed his wonder that there appeared no more forwardness to comply with the proposal lately made in a memorial from a number of ministers in Scotland and sent over into America for united extraordinary prayer amongst Christ's ministers and people for the coming of Christ's kingdom, and sent it as his dying advice to his own congregation that they should practice agreeability to that proposal. Though he was constantly exceeding weak, yet there appeared in him a continual care well to improve time and fill it up with something that might be profitable and in some respect for the glory of God or the good of men. Either profitable conversation or writing letters to absent friends or noting something in his diary or looking over his former writings, correcting them, and preparing them to be left in the hands of others at his death, or giving some directions concerning the future management of his people, or in secret devotions. He never seemed to be easy, however ill, if he was not doing something for God or in his service. After he came hither, he wrote a preface to a diary of Mr. Shepherd, contained in the papers above mentioned, which has since been published. In his diary for Lord's Day, August 9, he speaks of longing desires after death. Though through a sense of the excellency of a state of perfection. In his diary for Lord's Day, August 16, he speaks of his having so much refreshment of soul in the house of God that it seemed also to refresh his body. And this is not only noted in his diary, but was very observable to others. It was apparent not only that his mind was exhilarated with inward consolation, but also that his animal spirits and bodily strength seemed to be remarkably restored as though he had forgot his illness. But this was the last time that ever he attended public worship on the Sabbath. On Tuesday morning that week, 
As I was absent on a journey, he prayed for my family, but not without much difficulty for want of bodily strength. And this was the last family prayer that he ever made. He had been wont till now frequently to ride out two or three miles, but this week on Thursday was the last time he ever did so. Lord's Day, August 23. This morning, I was considerably refreshed with the thought, yea, the hope and expectation of the enlargement of Christ's kingdom, and I could not but hope that the time was at hand when Babylon the Great would fall and rise no more. This led me to some spiritual meditations which were very refreshing to me. I was unable to attend public worship either part of the day, but God was pleased to afford me fixedness and satisfaction in divine thoughts. Nothing so refreshes my soul as when I can go to God, yea, to God, my exceeding joy, when he is such to my soul. Oh, How unspeakably delightful is this. In the week past, I had diverse turns of inward refreshing, though my body was inexpressibly weak, followed continually with ags and fevers. Sometimes my soul centered in God as my only portion, and I felt that I should be forever unhappy if he did not reign I saw the sweetness and happiness of being his subject at his disposal. This made all my difficulties quickly vanish. Till this week he had been wont to lodge in a room above stairs, but he now grew so weak that he was no longer able to go upstairs and down. Friday, August 28, was the last time he ever went above stairs. Henceforward, he betook himself to a lower room. On Wednesday, September 2nd, being the day of our public lecture, he seemed to be refreshed with seeing the neighboring ministers who came hither to the lecture and expressed a great desire once more to go to the house of God on that day and accordingly rode to the meeting and attended divine service while the Reverend Mr. Woodbridge of Hatfield preached. He signified that he supposed it to be the last time he should ever attend public worship, as it proved, indeed, it was the last time that he ever went out of our gate. On the Saturday evening next following, He was unexpectedly visited by his brother, Mr. John Brainerd, who came to see him from New Jersey. He was much refreshed by this unexpected visit, this brother being peculiarly dear to him, and he seemed to rejoice in a devout and solemn manner to see him and to hear the comfortable tidings which he brought concerning the state of his dear congregation of Christian Indians. 
A circumstance of this visit, of which he was exceedingly glad, was that his brother brought him some of his private writings from New Jersey, and particularly his diary, which he had kept for many years past. Lord's Day, September 6. I began to read some of my private writings, which my brother brought me, and was considerably refreshed with what I found in them. September 7, I proceeded further in reading my old private writings and found that they had the same effect upon me as before. I could not but rejoice and bless God for what passed long ago, which, without writing, had been entirely lost. This evening, when I was in great distress of body, my soul longed that God should be glorified. Oh, that I could forever live to God. The day I trust is at hand, the perfect day. Oh, the day of deliverance from all sin. Lord's Day, September 13. I was much refreshed and engaged in meditation and writing and found a heart to act for God. My spirits were refreshed and my soul delighted to do something for God. On the evening of that Lord's Day, his feet began to swell and thenceforward swelled more and more, a symptom of his dissolution coming on. The next day, his brother John left him, being obliged to return to New Jersey on some business of great importance and necessity, intending to return again with all possible speed, hoping to see his brother yet once more in the land of the living. Brainerd having now, with much deliberation, considered the subject referred to him by the commissioners of the Society for Propagating the Gospel in New England and parts adjacent, wrote them about this time, recommending two young gentlemen of his acquaintance, Mr. Elihu Spencer of East Haddam and Mr. Job Strong of Northampton as suitable missionaries to the Six Nations. The commissioners on the receipt of this letter cheerfully and unanimously agreed to accept of and employ the persons whom he had recommended. On Wednesday, September 16, he wrote to some charitable gentlemen in Boston in behalf of the Indian School, showing the need of another schoolmaster or some person to assist the schoolmaster in instructing the Indian children. These gentlemen, on the receipt of his letter, had a meeting and agreed with great cheerfulness to give 200 pounds in bills of the old tenor for the support of another schoolmaster and desired the Reverend Mr. Pemberton of New York, who was then at Boston and was also at their desire present at the meeting as soon as possible to procure a suitable person for that service, and also agreed 
in accordance with an intimation from Brainerd to allow 75 pounds to defray some special charges which were requisite to encourage the mission to the Six Nations. Brainerd spent himself much in writing these letters, being exceedingly weak, but it seemed to be much to his satisfaction that he had been enabled to do it, hoping that it was something done for God and which might be for the advancement of Christ's kingdom and glory. In writing the last of these letters, he was obliged to use the hand of another. On Thursday of this week, September 17, when he went out of his lodging room for the last time, he was again visited by his brother Israel, who continued with him till his death. On that evening, he was taken with something of a diarrhea, which he looked upon as another sign of his approaching death, whereupon he expressed himself thus, Oh, the glorious time is now coming. I have longed to serve God perfectly. Now God will gratify those desires. And from time to time, at the several steps and new symptoms of the sensible approach of his dissolution, he was so far from being sunk or depressed in spirits that he seemed to be animated and made more cheerful as being glad at the appearance of death's approach. He often used the epithet glorious when speaking of the day of his death, calling it that glorious day. And as he saw his dissolution gradually approaching, he talked much about it and with perfect calmness spoke of a future state. He also settled all his affairs, giving directions very particularly and minutely concerning what he would have done in one respect and another after his decease. And the nearer death approached, the more desirous he seemed to be to depart. He several times spoke of the different kinds of willingness to die and represented it as an ignoble, mean kind to be willing to leave the body only to get rid of pain or to go to heaven only to get honor and placement there. September 19, near night, while I attempted to walk a little, my thoughts turned thus. How infinitely sweet to love God and be all for him. This concludes episode 62 of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd. <laughs>